0: Reading it this month, and so i 'm going to preach from the seventh chapter of Proverbs today. I just get nostalgic every time I come over here and think back for those seven years ago when we walked up and down these red carpeted aisles and didn 't know what we were going to do and uh, but i 've been reading a little book called "The Wisdom of the Bullfrog William Mcraven, retired admiral in the Navy uh, he was uh, a seal and he, uh, he wrote Make Your Bed. It's a great little book too. If you never read Make Your Bed, you need to read that. But I just picked up a brand new book, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog. And you have to find out, I didn't know what it was about. It, the bullfrog has all kind of military background with the seals. And one of the chapters is entitled, Who dares wins? Who dares wins? We didn't know what we were doing we got this campus and started, but we just dared to do it. And if we don't do another thing, we've already won. Amen. But we got much more to do uh, here on this campus. Just down the road from the Pensacola campus, there's this huge new apartment complex going in. And not to be outdone. I see in the news journal, it's just two blocks from here, I think. What I was told, just two blocks. We've got these 40 new townhomes coming in. Uh, That's good. The city just keeps shipping folks over here for us to win to Jesus. Amen. And the military brings us folks. And we're going to get after it. Can I have an amen? Yeah, that's what we're going to be about. And uh, we'll get it done in these days ahead of us. Well, I want to preach a message I've entitled this morning, Don't Be Stupid we're reading through the book of Proverbs and that's the real title and we come to chapter 7 today I hope you've read it my wife and I are reading it at night and so we read tonight chapter 7 and then we pray together we work better for our schedule to do it in the evening and last night we read in chapter 6 and prayed together about our day today and then tonight we'll read chapter 7 well I want us to look At chapter 7 today in a moment I'm going to read the first seven verses and just before I do if you're not involved in a small connection group here on the Warrington campus I want to challenge you that you be a part of connection group all right You say, well, what is that? Well, if you're familiar with church, it might be called Sunday school in days gone by. It's where we get together. It's how we do ministry. It's how we make our best connections. And and so I just encourage you, I'm really sold into getting our people into more connection groups this year. And so you're going to hear more and more uh, about that. So I just drop that on you and say... Find a small group and get it. I walked around the building this morning. I saw them meeting everywhere. And they say, well, we don't have much more room. I'll find your room. You just get in the groups, all right? And I'll make it happen. Guarantee you that we will. So be a part of that. Solomon is writing in Proverbs 7. And he begins with the word, my son." Solomon says this 17 times in Proverbs. My son, my son, my son, my son, my son. I preached a series several years ago on my son. Out through the book of Proverbs, every time that Solomon said, my son, it seemed that he had something to say to his boy. My son, now don't miss this. My son, don't miss. 17 times in Proverbs. And today we find one of those in chapter 7. And here Solomon says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, You are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress. From the foreigner who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked out through the lattice. And I saw among the naive and discerning among the youths a man who was stupid. That's the trailer translation of lacking sense. I saw through the window there he is a young man lacking sense. About to be stupid. Don't be stupid. And this text helps us understand that we shouldn't be. You know the word fool is used 62 times in the book of Proverbs. Either singular or plural when you put together. 62 times he says fool or fools that he deals with. It. And there are three words that in the Hebrew are translated "fool." Let me give those three to you. So I've been to school. Right, I just want you to know. First of all is the word "evil." It's almost like evil. E-V-E-E-L Transliterated out of the Hebrew. Evel. Which means to be perverse or to be silly. Do you know silly people? They just can't get serious. They're stupid. And they just always. They, you can't get them to, to be serious about anything. And that silliness Rolls into a perversion way too often secondly is the word Kessel K-E-S-E-E-L Kessel this word translated literally stubborn sensual or you got it stupid it translates in scripture sometimes stupid and then the third word is the word nabal in N-A, B A W L. And it means wicked or vile, abusive, dangerous, and a few times it is translated stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be a fool. And here Solomon is saying to his son, Don't be foolish don't be stupid don't lack sense my son rather than being stupid obey God listen to me if you obey God you will not be stupid you will be wise because God has wisdom for you and he outlines for us how this wisdom is to come in our life Through obedience. Hear me. Obedience is love's active response to all the will of God with joyful anticipation. Look at it one more time. Obedience, obeying God, is love's active response to all the will of God with joyful anticipation. A few days ago, I was at the church in my office. And our folks from our Chinese church came by, the leadership, and I had preached for them two weeks ago. And they brought me a box of candy and a beautiful bouquet of flowers. So I got rid of the candy, and when I went home that day, (laughs) I walked in, and Liz said, Oh, I said, Well, I just had you on my heart, and I, <laughs> and I handed her the flowers, and she asked me this question, Brother Mike. What did you do? <laughs> I said, Well, I was just being kind. She said, No. What did you do? Were you stupid? I said, no, I just preached at a Chinese church and they brought these flowers to you, all right? Amen, here you go. If we're not careful, we try to make up for our foolishness and cover it over. You can't do that. What you must do is obey God. In this text, there are four actions that show us how to obey God, and I want to give them to you this morning. Then I'm going to give them an invitation. Somebody's in this room today, and you never trusted Jesus. I want you to come take my hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready to be saved today. Some of you have never joined Olive Baptist Church, and you say, I'm ready to do it. You say, well, I'm just going to be here for six or eight months. That's fine. Come. Be a part. Then we'll send you out to where you need to be. Some You don't know how long you're going to be here. Come. Put your life. You saw these were baptized. Some of you have never been baptized. Come, and let's make a time for that. This gentleman saying he just needed to reaffirm and make that uh, right I tell people all the time better to do it twice and get it right once than to do it once and miss it for a lifetime make sure you're being obedient unto God how do we walk in obedience four things I want you to see number one verse 1 tells us receive God's Word don't be stupid receive God's Word notice it in verse number one he says my son keep my words and treasure my commandments within you receive God's Word keep them receive them treasure those words the commandments of Scripture put those in your heart when you receive uh, there are several ways of looking at that in Scripture just three of them I want you to see number one you need to receive Jesus John chapter 1 in verse number 12 tells us straight up that as many as did what received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. If you're sitting in this room today, ground floor balcony, and you've never received Christ, I pray you do it today. I sent a text this morning to a good friend of mine. His name is Johnny Hunt. Johnny has been a great leader among us, and then he's had some difficulty of late. But he still walks with Christ. He's preaching somewhere today. He grew up in a pool hall, lost without Christ, and 50 years ago today, Johnny went to a meeting like this, and a preacher preached the gospel and said, if you've never trusted Christ, Jesus died for you. He went to Calvary for you, and if you would receive him, he'd save you. And Johnny Hunt came that day, and God saved him 50 years ago today. What God did for my friend who was a full-blood Indian, He would do for you today. Receive Him. But not only do you receive the Lord in salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit in John 20 and verse number 22. Look at this text. But when He had said this, He breathed. This is Jesus. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to live within you but as you surrender your life as I did this morning and I do three things every day of my life but especially before I preach I do three things I did it again back here in the back I did it before I left my house this morning I raised my hands like a Pentecostal and I thank God hallelujah for all the good things you've done I put my hands out like this and I say Lord I die to myself crucified as Galatians 2 20 says and then I move my hands right here and I say Lord I can't do this today I cannot on my own I receive the unction and the power of the Holy, I encourage you today, don't be stupid and try to do it in the flesh Receive the anointing, unction of the Holy Spirit of God, and then in Matthew 21 and verse 22, not only do we receive in salvation and receive the fullness, we receive also when we pray, look at it, the Bible says, on all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, how's your prayer life? Liz and I, each night when we read the Proverbs, this month, so last night, chapter 6, and when you read through chapter 6, it talked about the commandments of your father and your mother. I asked my wife last night, I said, what did your mother command of you? What did your father command of you? My wife's daddy died when she was 17 years old. She said the one thing I remember my father always telling me, we do not lie in this family. We speak truth at the Bennett household then she turned she said to me so well what was what did your mother teach you what did your father teach you I said the greatest commandment I ever got out of my daddy was if you know what the will of God is for your life you better get about doing it that's what my daddy taught me if you know what God's got for you to do you ought to get about doing it and doing it right now my daddy said that to me the night I was called to preach she said well, what about mother I said well mama didn't talk much she just kind of pointed She had a way of making this commandment. You didn't have to ask her. This spoke volumes. You got a mama like that? Oh, buddy, I did. She taught me more about money. It's always about finance because she grew up in poverty. She told me over and over and over, if you outgo exceed your income, you upkeep will be your downfall. She said that a thousand times. If you outgo exceed your income, you upkeep will be your downfall. That works not only at home, it works at church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Receive, receive, receive God's Word. Secondly, this text teaches us if we're going to be obedient, not only receive God's Word, we reflect God's Word. Notice in verse number 2, the Bible says, And my commandments, keep my commandments and live, and my teaching, keep them as thy. This is one of those uh, figures of speech found in Proverbs. Keep those commandments as thy. Apple of your eye. The apple, the center. We would call it the pupil today. You know, when you look in your eye, it reflects, it bounces back. So we must reflect God's Word. You had an eye -eye exam lately? I've had more eye exams than I ever want to have. I came home a few years ago on a Saturday night, and all of a sudden I couldn't see right here, just half of my eye. I had a torn retina. I went to see the doctor, and he said, yep. And so what they do is they take a long needle, this long, (laughs) and they put it right in the side of your eyeball. It's really only about like this, but when you see it for the first time, it looks several feet long. They said, we're just going to stick this needle in, in your eyeball and we will suck out all of the gel that is in your eyeball. said, you won't feel a thing. I said, who are you lying to? Seriously, you don't. You don't feel it. The only thing you feel is the stick going through your skin and they numb that and when he goes into the eye and they take out the vitreous gel you don't and then they either put a gas bubble or a liquid bubble back in your eye and then you have to lie down on your face for a few days until that retina gets back in place and then you look up you're ready to go I'll never forget the day he went in pulled out all of that gel with the gas bubble in my eye, I said, I got to go to Arkansas next week. Can I fly? He said, sure, you can fly. Get in any airplane you want to. He said, yeah, I ball will pop out of your head, but you can fly if you want. (laughs) I said, who are you? He said, just having a little fun with you, preacher. (laughs) And so I go, and they fix me up. Now I go, and they, I see many of you got those glad. You've done it. You, You go to that, and I wrote this down so I can say it right. The horopter, The horopheter. You put your face up there and they put that big steel deal on there. And they start clicking. Look better on number one, number two, look better on number three, number four, look better on number five or number six. I'm just saying, I don't know. Might may look a little better. And they're looking to fix your eyes so they can put those lenses on. But if in your eyeball reflects. And the commandment of God that you are reading is not just supposed to stay with you. You are to reflect it into our world. The world should see God's word in you. Like the apple of your eye. As you get the word of God, you don't keep it to yourself. You reflect it back to the world. So when the word of God says to love one another, that reflection is you love one another. When it says to forgive those that have done you wrong, that reflection comes back to you. It says it's better to give than to receive. Then you reflect that. Keep the word of God as the apple of your eye. And it will reflect in your life the truth of the word of God. Receive God's word. Reflect God's word. Number three, reveal. Reveal God's word. Notice what he said in verse number three. Bind these truths on your fingers and write them on the tablets of your heart. Our Jewish friends today use phylacteries. They are called little leather boxes. If you've ever been to Israel, if you go to the Wailing Wall, you'll see many of our Jewish friends that are there that are Orthodox, and they will have the phylactery wrapped around their arm, the leather, and then there's a box on the top of their hand, and in that little leather box is a portion of Scripture, Old Testament. Then they keep one wrapped around their head, and there's a box right here on their forehead. They're called phylacteries, and they take literally this text and and put it there. I do not believe that's what this text is telling us to do I don't think he's telling you to wrap leather around your head and put a box on your head I don't think he's telling you to strap it on your arm though that is a good reminder what this text is saying is that have it outwardly and inwardly have it on your fingers that that you are active with and have it in your heart that is who you are your heart is your attitude your hands are your actions And you are to reveal God's Word, both in the way you think and act. Stinking thinking will make you stupid. When you think wrong, you'll do wrong. Some of you sit in this room right now and you think, no one loves me. You've lied to yourself. This church will love you. And I can tell you right now, if this church doesn't love you, God loves you. He does. Don't think wrong. Put it in your head and reveal the truth of God. Then, on your hand, with the outward action, you are to love. Hmm. I walked out of our Pensacola campus over Christmas It was two or three days before Christmas Eve and I found a girl sitting on the curb just squalling her eyes out. I drove by. I didn't get very far and I I heard it. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost clear his throat at you? I said, Lord, I don't even know her. She's sitting on the curb crying. I won't you get to know her. So I went back and I, I drove by real slow and looked at her. I went on again. Boy, he wouldn't let me up. So I drove back around and I got $100 out of my pocket. I didn't know what she needed, but I knew it had to be financial. So I pulled up. I said, having a hard night? Yes. She said, I came here from North Carolina with some people, and I shouldn't have ever come, and they've left me. And she had two or three suitcases she was pulling. She said, I tried to get in this hotel down here, but they, I only got $40, and it takes $80 to get in, and I can't, I can't get in. I just need somewhere to stay. So I pulled out a $100 bill. Not my money. This money somebody gives me. And If you've been hearing me preach long, you know I have what I call a God pocket. People hand me a $100 bill. I put it in my God pocket. Let's see. Christmas was good to me. Yeah, I got four in here right now. You say, oh boy. Well, if you ask, you don't get it. The Spirit of God has to prompt me, not prompt you. I had her $100. You you would have thought she tried to get in the car with me. She tried to come through the window. I said, darling, it'll be all right. Just just, just stay right there. So I wondered, did she really gonna spend the night, or is she going to go down and buy her crack with it, or what's she going to do? I wondered if I'd been stupid. So I went on around again, and waited. I gave her time to get to the nearest hotel and I just eased down my car driving and there she was walking up to the hotel. And I believe I heard the Spirit of God say, well done. That's what I'd have done. It's what he did do in Luke 10 with the Good Samaritan. You remember? Find a guy on the side of the road, the preacher and the singer wouldn't help. Were you James? Amen. The pastor and the minister of music went by on the other side, but but then the Levi, I mean the Samaritan, came and helped him. Fingers heart. Reveal the word of God outwardly and inwardly. Think right and do right. Don't be. Thank you very much. Number four. Not only. Do we see that we should receive God's Word and reflect God's Word and reveal God's Word? Then he says we must relate God's Word. Notice verse 4. Say to wisdom, you are my what? Sister. And call understanding your intimate friend. Now, if you've heard me very long, you know that I'm an only child. I don't have a sister. Amen. (laughs) I know some people got sisters and it's no piece of cake. Well, if she's not here, say amen. If she is here, don't say anything, all right? (laughs) You know, having brothers and sisters, that's not always easy. I have my mother... Be 93 before long. She's in a memory care unit, and I'm an only child. I have all of that. That's all on me. I don't have a good or a bad sister nor brother to help me. It's just me and my sweet wife. Now, there's two things about that one positive, one negative. The negative is I have all the burden, all the burden. The positive is when she dies, I get all the money. (laughs) I got no sister to split it with. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If there's any left. Hmm. The way they keep going up on that rate over there, there ain't going to be any left. But that's all right. Mama made plans. See, I don't have a sister, but I have two kids. And I watch my, bro- my son and daughter. That's what he's talking about here. He says to make mm, wisdom like your sister. Now, there are times when you wrestle with your sister, but you love your sister. If you had a sister, you love her. Or y'all may fight, or get- but when the chips get down, you love your sister. And you do good for her. Well, he's saying here, using this illustrative material, like he's saying to his son, remember, he said, my son, listen, make wisdom like your sister. You love your sister. Love wisdom. And then, understanding, make it your intimate friend. Closest friend you got ought to be the understanding of the Word of God, the wisdom of the Word of God. You ought to love it and spend time and relate God's word. In Matthew 12:50, when they were asking Jesus about who is mother and brother, he said this: Look, whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he's my brother and my sister and my mother. If you don't know who's related to me, it's the people doing the will of God. Those are my brothers, those are my sisters, that's my real mother when they do. The will of God oh my well that's the introduction to chapter 7 and if you're reading chapter 7 with your family if you have little children you have to be careful in chapter 7 because he begins to talk about the foolish adulterous harlot Beginning in verse 6 all the way through verse 27, it's all about this wicked woman that is trying to get the fool to come and be with her. And Solomon, Solomon knew about this. <laughs> you know his background of all his wives. He said, I looked out through the lattice and through the window and I saw a young man lacking sin. And He followed after her like a lamb led to the slaughter. And she came and said, my husband's gone on a long trip, and, and I have money with me, and, and I will take care. Come and follow me. We live in a world filled with sexual perversion. But again, this is not the only thing that will draw you away from God. Sexual perversion is there, but there are all kinds of sordid lifestyles that will take you away from God. Gambling. It'll take you away from God. I, I am amazed at what I see on television these days. When I grew up, if you were involved in gambling, you could not play professional sports. Now the television stations push it while you're watching professional sports. And then down there in very small, it always says, if you have a gambling issue, call this number, 1-800-DON'T-BE-STUPID. <laughs> I'm thinking, y'all to make those letters large. The love of money, the root of all evil. Sports will do it. You can run after that. You run after fame or fortune. There's a lot of things Solomon could have picked on, but he picked on the sexual issue in this chapter. But you can say there are many, many things that will take us away from God when we are not wise, but we are stupid. Listen to me. Anything that moves Christ from the first place of your life That's what he's talking about. That leads to stupidity when you take Jesus and say, well, we're going to move you over. Listen, Jesus won't be second. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He takes first place or no place. You're not going to delegate him to the fourth spot. He wants to be Lord, Lord. He's my preaching hero, he's dead and in heaven. His name is Stephen Olford, he's a little short Scotsman. I had the joy of meeting him one time, I was invited to preach at the Alabama Baptist State Evangelism Conference, and when I got the letter, I said, oh yes, I'll be honored to come. When I got the full program back, I was preaching on the same program with Dr. Stephen Olford. I wrote the guy back, I said, I will come as long as I preach first. If he preaches before me, I'm out of there. (laughs) Just forget it. They said, don't worry, preacher, you're first. Dr. Oldford will be last. So I'm sitting back in what we call the green room. and I'm going over my notes. All of a sudden, the door just bursts open and in he walked, I'd never met him before, I'd just seen him and heard him he's he's shorter than I am, but he's a giant to me and he comes in, lad lad, I said yes sir he said I hear you're going to preach tonight I said yes sir, I'm, I'm up he came over and put his arm around me and he said listen You'll not have a greater fan in all the room than Heather and myself, his wife. We shall be sitting on the front row and go now, son. Go, lad. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. And he turned and walked out the door. I'm telling you, I could have run through that brick wall. I I was was ready to go. And it was Dr. Oldford that I heard say for the first time, He is either Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. Friend, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you don't have Him on your fingers and on your mind, if you're not keeping His commandments and revealing those, you ought to hit this altar this morning and say, God, I've come. I've come to surrender. This first Sunday of the year, I come to say, Lord, be King, be Lord of my life. That song said, what kind of offering a while ago? An honest offering. I've heard that song. I just didn't know the name of it. It's named An Honest Offering. Boy, that's what we need to do today is make an honest offering of our life unto Christ. And if you'll come to him, he will receive you. If you're here without Jesus, he'll save you today. If you're here and need a church, we'll receive you today. If you're here and been saved need to be baptized, Brother Mike will get it done and we'll... Place you under that water and raise you. Oh, baptism is a glorious time. It's new time. It's that fresh confession that we make. And you ought to come today and say yes unto the Lord. But if you're here without Jesus, don't leave here without knowing him today. I implore you don't leave. Know him. Know him. I close with this. Tuesday of this next week, Junior Hill. My dear, dear friend, an evangelist from Hartsville, Alabama, will be buried. He died at 87. He's preached many times at Olive, an evangelist. I went and pulled his book off the shelf and read it again this week, his autobiography. When he was just a young preacher, Junior said, A lady came to our church and filled out a card and said, I don't know Christ, I I need to know him. And Junior said, I'm going to go see her, of course. He said, I put it right there in my pocket. He said, Monday got busy, and I didn't go, and Wednesday came in church, and then on Thursday, we were going, we, we were getting ready to go see her, and we made a visit before we got there, and it went late, late, and he said, I'll go tomorrow, he said the next morning he got up, and his phone rang, mm. he said, Brother Junior, you remember, and called her name, said, yeah, I've got her card right here in my pocket, he said her husband shot and killed her this morning. She's dead and gone. Would you come and help this family? Junior said, I never felt so low in all my life. He said, I went and he said, I, I could still see the blood running after they'd removed the body. He said, Lord, if I'd have just gotten there, maybe, maybe. He said, In God's sovereignty, I don't know how. But he said, I know that what I needed to do, I did not do. I challenge you this morning. Do not leave here knowing what you need to do and not do it. Keep his word. Don't be stupid. Be wise.